Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you have your Bible, turn it to Psalm, the 16th chapter, verse 11. I want to use this as the springboard for where we're going to go today in our series where we've been talking about worship. And today I want to really lean heavily into the presence of God. Turn to the person next to you and say, the presence of God is not optional for a believer. The presence of God is necessary. I want you to get that. The presence of God is necessary. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. Now, I want to stop right there because it it intrigued me this morning as I was going over this passage. It does not say, you make known to me the path to life. It says, I make known to you the path of life. I think so many times as Christians, we are very destination-oriented. We're always thinking about the sweet by and by. We we believe that God's going to do something amazing, but many times... Billy, we think it's going to be over there, and right now I just need to to basically deal with the rotten here and now because when we all get together over there. And we even write all these escape songs. I mean, growing up in church, all the songs that we sang were escape songs, you know. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. It's all all about when I get there. But but how many of you know there's some stuff here that God wants to do for you as well? I remember several years ago, my wife and I were on a cruise, and she doesn't like to book excursions. She's got her own way of doing things. And she taught me, she said, you don't book an excursion. What you do is you step off the boat, you find a cab driver, and you just tell him, I would like to go to the most beautiful beach possible. And so that's what we did. We got into this cab with this gentleman that we do not know in a mysterious land. And he begins to drive through the country, which is an excursion all by itself. If you've ever been overseas watching them drive, it's, it, it, it will make you have a powerful prayer life, you know. I'm not Catholic, yet the whole time I'm going, sit up, stand up, whatever, God, you got to do just get me to the speech. And so we're going, and we pull behind this building. And there's nothing there except for some dumpsters. And he says, get out of the car. (laughs) He walked behind the dumpsters. I thought, this is like the beginning of a murder mystery crime docu-series. Like, Ashley, what have you gotten us into? But he says, walk behind the dumpsters and follow the path and it will lead to the beach. Sure enough, it led to a beautiful beach. The destination was wonderful, but the path was sketchy. What what I want you to see here is God is not just trying to get you to a destination. He also wants to make the path pleasant. That's why David says, goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Not goodness and mercy will be found when I get to heaven and stand with Jesus. Goodness and mercy can be found right now, right here. Turn to the person next to you and say, right here. God has some good things for you. And so through Jesus, he reveals a path that doesn't just lead to a wonderful place, but has some wonderful things along the way. He makes known to me 
the path of life. He shows me things, Lisa, that I can't find on my own. You make known to me the path of life. What is that path? He answers it by saying, in your presence. Somebody say, in his presence. It's the fullness of joy. It's overflowing joy. It's abundant joy. It never runs out. In your presence is the fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures. Somebody say pleasures. Forevermore. How many of you like pleasure? You know, sometimes you get around the wrong church folk and they want to act like pleasure's wrong. You know, you better watch out for that pleasure thing, son. You'll be stepping over into the sin. Not realizing that God is the one who invented pleasure. Pleasure is good and pleasure is from God. Yes, sometimes our flesh will pervert it, but true pleasure that is found on the path that God has made available to us is good. Turn to the person next to you and say, it is good. It is very good. I was thinking one day I was in the middle of worshiping. And as I was worshiping, I started thinking about food. And I got excited. You know, food, food just does it for me. And I started thinking, thanking God for his goodness when it comes to food. And then I had, I had this epiphany. It was that God gave me the ability to taste the food that he has provided for me, which he didn't have to do. I mean, the primary function of food is to nourish your body, not to taste good, right? So God could have just supplied food and not given you the ability to taste it, but God is a God of pleasure. He wants you to taste and see that he is good. He wants you to enjoy his goodness because your pleasure produces a praise. And when your pleasure produces praise, you get more of his presence. And the more presence you get, the more what? Joy. Are you following the process? It's very simple. In the presence of God is fullness of joy at his right hand, which, is, which means at his authority, under his authority, under his power, under his rule, there is pleasure forevermore. It's available, we just have to know where to look for it. I don't know if you've ever watched a Survivor show before where they drop people off into the middle of the jungle or the wilderness. Part of their survival is having to find food and water. And what's interesting is when you go out into the jungle, there is food there, you just have to know where to look. If I go out there, I'm probably going to die. I'll just be honest with you. I'll be like, where's the McDonald's, man? <laughs> but but there, are, there are plants that you can eat that will give you nutrition. There are, there are bugs that you can eat. There are worms that you can eat. Not that you would want to, but hey, throw a little bit of ranch dressing on them bad boys. I'm telling you, you got to buff it. <laughs> the point is, there is, there is something that will sustain you. You just have to know where to look for it. What David is trying to show us here is that there is a path that leads to and is filled with the joy of the Lord and pleasures forevermore. You just have to know where to look, and then he lets us know. The place you're going to find this is in his presence because the only place to get true pleasure and true joy is in his presence. The reason many times human beings malfunction is because they're looking for the right thing in the wrong place. 
We're looking for something to sustain us. We just don't know where to look. We're, we're looking for something to give us a little bit of peace or a little bit of hope. We just don't know where to look. And so we always stumble across the poisonous berries. We always stumble across the, the, the flowing stream of water in the jungle that looks good, but it's full of bacteria and poison, and, and that causes us to malfunction because we're looking for the right thing. We're just looking in the wrong place. Anybody got a testimony that goes something like that? I think we all do. If, if we're honest, we all want something that's good. Joy is great. The pleasures are great. But many times, myself included, we look in the wrong place. And instead of finding life, we find something that actually leads to death. We might find a pocket of happiness here or there, but we don't really find anything that brings true lasting joy. And the reason for that is the only place to find true lasting joy is where? In his presence, where there is fullness of joy. It is his presence where we find peace. It is in his presence where we find strength. It is in his presence where we find healing. It is in his presence where we find every good thing we need. And that is the place you and I were created and designed by God to live in. If you go all the way back to Genesis, when God creates the heavens and the earth, if you follow the process, you'll see that he always creates the environment before he creates the creature. So what does he do? He wants to make a fish, but before he creates the fish, he says there needs to be some what? Water. Because what happens to a fish if it's not in water? You ever been fishing? You pull that fish out of the water, what does it do? Why? It's malfunctioning because it's not in its proper Environment. Before he creates a bird to soar through the air, he creates a sky. Before he creates cows, he designs a pasture that has everything that they need to survive and thrive. Before he creates man and woman, this is where it gets interesting. Before he creates man and woman, he designs a garden east of Eden. And Eden is the place on this planet, this physical earth, where the presence of God is an open door. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there is unfiltered presence of God between man and his maker, and that is the environment that he says, I'm going to place you in this place, and this is where you will be fruitful, and this is where you will multiply, because his presence is the place that we were created to thrive in. Are you following me so far? The problem is, if you know the story, Adam and Eve messed everything up when they ate the fruit that God told them not to eat. And so because of, because of their disobedience, I, I think when we get to heaven, like, there's going to be a long line of you know, to talk to different saints that have gone ahead of us. But I think the longest line is probably going to be Adam and Eve. How, how many of you got some questions for them? Take it easy on them. You would have done the same thing. <laughs> but the point is, this environment was created for them, but they messed it up through their disobedience. And so what happens is, 
they are removed from the environment they were created to live in and thrive in. And like a fish out of water, they start to malfunction. How many of you would agree things have malfunctioned since the beginning of time? And we still continue to see things malfunction and break down because there was a removal of the presence of God between man and his maker. The environment that was created was removed. They were removed from it. The good news is that Jesus came back, and through his sacrifice on the cross, he made a way for us to once again come back into the presence of God. Now we are, uh, it, it is available now. The thing that was cut off is now open back up to us. The, the, the veil that separated man from the presence of God when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was ripped. And so now we have that same access that Adam and Eve had back into the presence of God. The issue is, the issue is, our flesh has been awakened. We got woke. So now we have access to the kingdom of God, but our flesh is going to war against everything that God stands for. And so we can hear all day long, Laura, in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. But our flesh is always going to be going, nope, let's go look over here. God is saying here is the place of life. And our flesh is always going to say, nope, I think I'll check it out over here. Get this. God's design for your life is the best design for your life. It will get no better for you than what God has made available to you. But this stuff right here, does anybody know I'm telling the truth? Anybody honest enough to say you still got some flesh, no matter, you've been saved a long time, but you still got some flesh? Our flesh is always going to say, hey, let's go over this way. And because of that, we may hit pockets of his presence, but we're never truly getting into that place to where we are abiding and dwelling. And because of that, we'll have these moments of malfunction. Somebody say, I've got to dwell. I've got to abide. That's the whole point of John 15, uh, John 15 when Jesus is walking us through the vine and the branches. He's saying, I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you abide in me, if you abide in me, that means if you remain in me, if you remain in the position that I've called you to be in, then you will thrive. Then you will be fruitful. Are you, are you following this? The fruit of the Spirit, all the things that you read about, the, the peace and the joy and all that good stuff happens in a place of abiding, not just connecting for a moment and then walking away. It is actually crucifying our flesh to the point to where it surrenders itself to live by the Spirit. So we're not led by our flesh, we're led by our spirit. So when our flesh says, go over here, we have to say, no, nope, not going that way. Because I know where that leads. I'm going to stay over here. I'm going to keep my mind fixed on the things of God. I'm going to keep my mouth praising him continually because that's what's going to help me stay in his presence. Watch what Psalm 91 verse 1 says. It says, he who dwells. There's the word. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. In other words, those who dwell in his presence will live under his covering. 
I want to come back to that in just a moment. Because something that struck me a few years ago when I read that, about abiding those that dwell in the shadow. Let me read it to you again. It says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I started thinking about this, this covering where God is with me. He's covering me. He's, he's overshadowing me. And then I realized I can actually get to a place to where as I move, because my steps are ordered by him. I'm no longer going in the direction I want to go. My steps are being ordered by him. And so as I move, that shadow moves with me. Now let's go to New Testament. Peter, walking down the streets. As his what? Anybody know Bible? As his shadow passed over the sick people, they were healed. Why? Because he learned to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So as he moved, the shadow of the Almighty moved. And as his shadow fell, the mighty God's shadow fell on people. You want to you become a difference maker in this world? Learn to dwell in the presence of God. Because when you step into a room, the kingdom of God and his rule and his authority will step into that room with you and everything that is inferior will bow its knee to the name of Jesus Christ. You don't even have to open your mouth. You don't even have to argue with people. All you have to do is show up and allow the presence of God to be with you. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So if it is possible to dwell under the shadow of the Almighty, then it must also be possible to dwell outside of the shadow of the Almighty. It's possible to be in the proximity of God, but not actually be in the presence of God. How many of you know your position matters? Tell the person next to you, say, position matters. <laughs> Several years ago, we were filming an intro for a television show that we used to do. And we were trying to capture some of the things that happened in the live event, but it's very difficult to do that. So we, we decided we would stage some stuff. And so Randy, who is now our worship leader, in this video, he's going to run off the stage and do a crowd dive. The issue is, because this is pre-taped, there really is no crowd for him to dive into. And so a few of the gentlemen at the church that were there at the time decided, okay, what we'll do is we'll stand like this, we'll lock, lock arms, and as Randy dives, the camera will get him diving off stage and won't see us, and then Randy will land safely in the arms of his friends. He's singing, my life is in your hands. And so I'll never forget, Randy takes off. Mohawk in the wind. And he does this majestic dive. It was beautiful. He's soaring through the air. And as he soars, he, pa <laughs> he passes us by. Until he gets to the very last person where his leg catches on that person, throwing him to the floor. And all I can think is, did we get the shot? 
See, <laughs> we were in the proper proximity, but we were out of position. I really need you to grasp this today. Because many of us live within the proximity of God. I mean, he's, he's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. We're in the proximity. Right now, as you sit in this place, you are in the proximity of the Spirit of God. But just because you're in the proximity does not mean you're going to receive anything from him. Because you can only receive something from him if you are in proper position. There's three Bible stories that I can go to that illustrate this truth. The first one is Jesus goes to his own hometown. You know that story? And the Bible says that he could not do many mighty miracles there. People were in the proximity of the miracle worker himself, yet they did not receive anything from him. The second story is Peter. He goes out. He fishes all night long. He catches no fish. He's in the proximity of of the fish, but he does not catch anything until he changes his position. The third story that you're probably familiar with is the woman who has the issue of blood. There are multitudes surrounding Jesus, pressing in on him, touching him, yet none of them received from him. But this woman who presses through the crowd and touches his robe gets a miracle. Why? Because there's something they did or, in some cases, did not do to position themselves properly. So let's start with the first story. What happened when Jesus goes to his own town? He goes there, the miracle worker, the same man who has done all the miracles that everyone else has experienced. Blind eyes open, deaf ears open, the lame are walking, dead people are coming back to life, y'all. That man walks into town. He begins doing his thing. He's hanging out with the people like he always does. He begins to teach them. The problem is they saw him as the carpenter's son. There was no recognition of who he was. And because they did not recognize him as the son of God, there was no honor. And because there is no honor, there is no praise. So the first thing we have to understand, if we're going to position ourselves into the presence of God, we have to understand who he is. And we have to recognize him, we have to honor him, and we have to praise him for it. Sometimes we lack things in our life that God does not want us to lack simply because we have not praised him for what we already have. We are complainers, and we're real good at it. And my, I, Dude, let me tell you, I, I'm, I'm real good at it. I can find a good thing to complain about. Like, I mean, I'm really good at it, so I'm preaching to myself as well. And we get really good at complaining. We get really good at pointing out the negative and finding the fault instead of being thankful for what we already have, not realizing if we'll begin to praise God for what we have, it will enlarge our capacity for more of the things that we desire. So you have to recognize them. Turn to the person next to you say, you have to recognize them. I mean, that's a stunning thought to think that Jesus shows up and he can't do anything. The Bible doesn't say he wouldn't. He could not because their lack of honor tied his hands. How many times do we tie the hands of God in our life because we do not honor him and worship him for who he is? We come into a place like this. We're in the proper proximity. 
but we're not positioned. So somebody say honor, honor. Worship. worship, praise. It's essential. The next story is Peter. He goes out fishing. It's one of my favorite stories. He goes out fishing. He fishes all night long. The Bible says he catches nothing. So now you have to put yourself in his place. Not only is he frustrated because he didn't catch any fish, not only does he have to go home and tell his wife that we don't have any money because I didn't catch any fish, and then he has to deal with her because her Amazon account is already, her cart's like already jacked up to the max. And now she has to hit delete. And let me tell you something. Hell hath no fury like a woman who's married to a man with no money. <laughs> so he's got, I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to make this real for you. Because sometimes we read these Bible stories and we just glance over them. Like this is a real situation. This dude needs fish for money to pay his bills, to support his family. And he has this, zero fish. Now we have to bring in the reality that he has done this all night long. So not only is he frustrated, he is sleepy. And by the time Jesus shows up, it says they're cleaning the nets, which means they're ready to go home. They're ready to get some shut-eye. And Jesus shows up and he steps into Peter's boat. This is one of the most important things that happens in the history of Peter's life. This moment right here. Because this moment changes everything for him. Jesus steps into the boat, and Peter can at this moment say, sorry, dude, I'm sleepy. Sorry, man, I'm hungry. Sorry, I got to get home and face my wife. Or he can do what he did and say, come on in. I'm going to set my feelings aside, and I'm going to allow you to use my boat. So here's the, here's the key. Peter made himself available. Many times we miss out on what God wants to do in our life because we're simply not making ourselves available. It goes back to the war between our flesh and our spirit. We know what is right, but our flesh is always pulling us over here. We don't make time for the presence of God because we fill our time with so many other things. Are you, are you seeing what I'm saying? And because of that, because we're not available, we can't be in his presence because we're too busy. Anybody ever got caught up in that cycle? You're just too busy, too many things going on. That is the nature of our world today. Like when I was a kid, when I was a kid, things were a little bit different. Like if you played a sport, your sports only had practices on certain days of the week. And it was like one time. And my parents would tell the coach like, hey, you can't put them on a team that practices on Wednesday nights because we go to church. So you have one practice a week and then you had one game on a Saturday. That's not the case anymore. And I'm not coming down on extracurricular activities. Please don't get me wrong. I, I'm not coming against any of that. I'm just saying it is very easy now for us to busy our schedule. Right now we've got a device in our hand where we can be connected to information from all over the world 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How many hours of our lives are wasted on fruitless scrolling? And I'm not condemning the scroll because you will find me scrolling sometimes as well. But if you really start counting up the time that you waste in your life, that's not adding, it's not adding one benefit to you. You're not making any more money than you're already making by scrolling. You're not adding any more joy to your life. As a matter of fact, the more I scroll, the more frustrated I get. 
we're not adding anything beneficial to us. So, so what I've got to do is I've got to start gearing my mind to the fact that, okay, I've got to be intentional about carving out some time for me to spend with God because it is in his presence that I'm going to find what I need. I think I can get it over here, but I have proven. R.M. Meshagan has proven that nothing over here has anything of lasting value. So I've got to carve out time to where I say, okay, I'm going to be here. That's what Peter does. He makes himself available. Then Jesus says, I want you to take your boat out and go fishing. That's ridiculous. I've already done this all night long. But Peter says, you know what? I'm tired. <laughs> I don't really think this is going to work. Nevertheless, at your word, which brings the second key to his story into place, obedience. Somebody say obedience. The Bible says that the willing and the obedient will eat the good of the land. Here's what you have to realize. Jesus will make known to us the path of life, but you have to walk it out. He will say that blessing is here but you've got to walk it out. He will say that joy is available here, but you have to walk it out. And as long as you are sitting and not moving along the path he has called you to, don't expect to experience the things he has said you can experience. Are you following this? It's, it's very, very basic. It really is. And, it's, and, and on paper, it's very simple. The problem all boils down to this stuff right here. This stuff right here will block your miracle every time. God will get ready to move in a service, and people will go, I'm hungry, man. I got an appointment. I got to be at. Used to have a guy that would set his, his alarm would go off one hour into our service, and he told me one time, he said, now, preacher, he said, when you hear that go off, that means service is over. He doesn't go here anymore. We, we want to put a time limit on God, but when you think about your deepest need, what is more valuable than having an encounter with God? Nothing. And I don't think that a church service has to go, you know, this long to experience a move of God. I don't think this has, you know, this has to be seen to say there was a move of God. All I'm saying is we've got to be ready for when God shows up, we can receive. I was telling Bob before service came in, one night we, had a, we were having a prayer service back when our church was in Kennesaw. And God started to move in a mighty and a powerful way. And the longer we went, the stronger the anointing got. And as we're doing that, I look back and one of the people that was there started walking out the back door. And I was like, hey, where are you going? And they said, well, I'm going to see so-and-so. I said, well, you need to call so-and-so and tell them to get here. I said, because you were about to walk out before you received the word that God had for your life. Thankfully, that person came back in and was able to receive it. But they almost missed God, Billy, because they were going to walk out of the room before God had touched them. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? We have to make ourselves available. Then we have to be obedient. We have to be ready. We have to have expectation. Somebody say expectation. Which brings us to the final story. This is the woman with the issue of blood. She comes up, she touches the hem of Jesus' garment, and Jesus goes, whoa, somebody touched me. And the disciples think this is ridiculous because Jesus is being pressed in by the crowd, which means a lot of people were touching Jesus. 
A lot of people were pressed up against Jesus. A lot of people wanted to be around Jesus. They didn't understand what he was talking about. But he says, no, no, you're not getting what I'm saying. Somebody actually touched me because I felt healing virtue flow out of my body. And as soon as that healing virtue flowed out of his body, it touched the woman and it made her completely well. What was it that she did? Well, if you go back through all the stories we just read, all of those things are there. She honored God, one. She believed him to be a miracle worker. And here's a clue for you. You'll never receive from God what you do not think about God. If you think that God does not still heal people today, don't be surprised when you don't see a healing happen. If you don't believe that the gifts of the Spirit are still evident today, don't be surprised when you don't see the gifts of the Spirit operating in your life. So she does all of these things that we have seen in the other stories. But she has this ingredient called faith, where she says, I know. If I can just press through this crowd, as difficult as it is, I know that if I can just reach up and touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And her faith caused her to press. Sometimes in life, you're going to feel like you're surrounded by all different kinds of obstacles that are keeping you from where you want to be, that are keeping you from the breakthrough you need. And it hasn't happened in the time frame you thought it would happen. This woman has had an issue of blood for years now. It's not like she found out yesterday and was like, okay, I need to go find Jesus. This has been going on for years. Discouragement, being, being let down by doctors. She's spent all of her money, but she says, you know what? Forget all that. I'm going to press. Well, how long? Until I touch him. I don't know how many miles she even had to crawl. I mean, I just thought about that. Think about this. Jesus would minister. 15,000, 20,000 people would show up sometimes to hear him minister. How long, how far did she have to press and crawl just to get to the place where she reaches up and touches the hem of his garment because she had enough faith to know if I can just touch Jesus, I can get what I need. What I want you to know is you have the ability to touch Jesus today because of what he has done for you on his cross. But the only way to press in is through faith. All of these other things that we talked about have to be in place. You have to honor him. You have to worship him. You have to praise him. You have to be available. You have to be obedient. But those things don't work unless there is faith because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Those that come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That's a key word right there. Diligently. What does it mean to diligently seek an encounter with God? That means I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to go however long it takes. I'm not going to allow discouragement to hold me back. I'm not going to allow the disappointments of this life to set me back. I'm always going to be moving forward and I'm always going to be pressing because I do believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I have expectation. That's what faith is. Faith is the expectation 
for God to do what he said he would do. Faith is the expectation that God will be who he says that he is. I've had people tell me before, like, well, I don't think you should expect anything from God. I'm thinking, like, where are you, what, are you, what are you talking about? That is faith. Faith is that expectation. The presence of God is available to every single person in this room. The goodness of God is available to be experienced by every single person in this room. The problem is some of you will never press in. You'll be in the proximity of his goodness, but you'll never fall into the position of his goodness. Think about that. That's the difference between someone who comes into a church service and receives from God and the person who comes in and does not receive anything from God. Please, please hear what we're talking about today. And please start thinking through, like, what do I need to do to position myself to receive from God today? Am I coming in ready with expectation, or am I coming in thinking about all the stuff that's going wrong? Am I coming in with a heart of worship and praise, or did I complain my way into the room? Because I promise it will make a difference.